This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 5% import duties on steel and 10% on aluminum. Canada then laid out more than $16 billion in retaliatory tariffs. Kudlow now says Trump is trying to fix the world trading system, not break it. Don't blame Trump. Blame China. Blame Europe. Blame NAFTA. Blame those who don't want reciprocal trading, tariff rates, and protectionism. In an interview with NBC's Meet the Press, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the tariffs will hurt both Canadian and American jobs, and neither of those things is something Canada wants to see. Toronto City staff have dismantled the thousands of cards, photos, and flowers dedicated to the victims of April's deadly van attack. Mayor John Tory was in attendance as the impromptu dedications left in the days after the April 23rd attack were taken down. He says the items will be placed in storage until the city comes up with an appropriate way to display them. Tory says the city will eventually install a permanent monument for the 10 people killed when a van jumped the curb and ran over multiple pedestrians on the sidewalk. A BC conservation officer says residents need to be mindful of their garbage disposal after three cougars had to be destroyed in Metro Vancouver this week alone. All three of the animals were said to be showing aggressive behavior. Sergeant Todd Hunter says homeowners have to manage their food waste and their properties to avoid conflicts with wildlife. Hunter says he expects conflicts between humans and wild animals will continue to escalate as real estate development encroaches on wilderness areas. Graduating seniors at the Florida High School, where a gunman killed 17 people in February, received their diplomas on Sunday. Four families received diplomas on behalf of loved ones slain in the attack that gave rise to a campaign by U.S. teens for gun control. Reporter Ariel Rochef talked to some of the graduates. For students like Ariana Ortega, it's a milestone mixed with memories of her classmates who should have been there beside her in cap and gown. I will 100% be thinking of my friend Carmen Shenchup as I walk across that stage. The four victims who would have graduated honored with posthumous degrees. The graduates also heard from surprise commencement speaker Jimmy Fallon, who urged them to move forward, adding, don't let anything stop you. And the UK is remembering the deadly terror attack on London Bridge a year ago today. Eight people were killed and almost 50 injured when three Islamic State group-inspired extremists ran down pedestrians on the bridge, then stabbed people at packed bars and restaurants in nearby Borough Market. A small part of busy London came to a standstill as the mayor, city administrators and well-wishers gathered for a minute's silence to mark the one-year anniversary since the London Bridge terror attacks that killed eight people. Local city lawmaker Adele Morris reflected on the day. There is no poetry in what happened, no justice, no consolation. It was a brutal crime in which precious lives were lost. Following a service at Southwark Cathedral near where the attack took place, a tree was planted using compost from flowers that had been placed in remembrance. Julia McFarlane, ABC News, London. Over to sports in Major League Baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays beat the Detroit Tigers 8-4 to on Sunday. And on the hardcore, the Golden State Warriors won Game 2 of the NBA Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers by 19 points. Golden State now leading that series 2-0. From the Global News Desk, I'm Bailey Nicholson.
Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. Your health is your wealth and leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and sexual. Uncovering what lies beneath the covers. I have a passion for evidence-based health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. On this program, my aim is to provide you with up-to-date information about your health so that you know there are options for treatment. Please do, however, always consult with your medical doctor. On this program, the Sunday Night Health Show, we talk about everything from finances to anxiety, careers, contraception, health conditions, heart issues, addiction, HIV, sexuality, and summer fun. But right now, I want to focus on ego. What is up with our politicians in this country, Canada? What is going on? Let's start at the top for all of you pipeline owners. I have one word, ego. That little decision to purchase the pipeline reminded me of the impatient dad who loses his cool and turns the minivan around and cancels the paid-for vacation because two of his six kids were arguing, so everybody loses. As for pipelines, there's the... Uh, there's the um, relation to sex or the uh, hint to put the kitties to bed. (laughs) That's the gentle reminder to put the kids to bed because we are going to be talking about pipelines. And I have a pipeline to give away tonight um, as well on the show. Uh, But nonetheless, um, yes, pipelines. So that's one issue around ego where the politicians just let their ego get involved. And you might do that in life as well. And so we're going to be talking about ego tonight on the show. Since we're talking those other pipelines, not the ones I'm accustomed to, uh, Rachel Notley, Bill 12, Preserving Canada's Economic Prosperity Act, which was basically a dictatorship approach to exporting oil affecting companies in Alberta and the citizens of British Columbia, and it might impact summer vacation. Then there's Catherine Wynne. I am seriously hoping on behalf of all women that this is some winning strategy, admitting defeat based on polls. We've seen polls out in British Columbia in the past, where they missed a landslide victory with Christy Clark when she won the race for premier. Back to British Columbia, John Horgan, really? You're still going to fight? Fight what? Let's get the ego out of the way, let go of the bone, and get down to some decent policy to actually make life better for all Canadians. Can we not work things out without our egos intact? And, you know, back to female politicians, I hear so often, and I've heard it recently as well. Well, people don't like Hillary Clinton. People don't like Kathleen Wynne. People don't like Rachel Notley. People didn't like Christy Clark. This is the sign of an ignorant voter. How about learning to understand policy? It's not about liking in leadership. And we are going to get into leadership very shortly. Andrew, how are you doing tonight after my little spiel? Well, <laughs> boy, I, I don't even know where to start. I was, I really, really liked the uh, the subtle pipeline uh, drop. That that was pretty good. I, you I like that one. <laughs> I, I appreciated that. That was that was very good. I'm Touché. glad that that. Uh, yeah, I you know what? I like a good pipeline myself. <laughs> and don't we all? And you're going to be uh, something about giving away that pipeline too. Anyways, I do. That's hopefully, it doesn't. Later ho- in the program, we're going to be giving away a pipeline. Not, this is seriously a pipeline. <laughs> not to devalue the not to devalue the pipeline itself, but it's yeah. probably not worth four point five billion dollars. No, but this is a luxury pipeline ah, that I'm giving away. It's a luxury pipeline. It is. Yeah. It is. Can I ask a question though about pipelines? I have this idea in my head that pipelines are black. Are are they painted black? I mean, I have no idea. I mean, they could be silver for all I. They could be gold for crying out loud. <laughs> Uh, I what almost, do you I, think I almost are? want to say white. I worked up north last year, <laughs> they and are white. 
uh, up north in the Peace Region, there's a lot of oil, oil uh, refineries up right. towards Fort St. John. And I, I distinctly remember, uh, if you're going over the Peace River between Taylor and Dawson Creek, mm-hmm. uh, there, the pipeline has its own little suspension bridge. And if I remember correctly, wow. the pipes were white. Okay, interesting. I just, you know what? I, I, I imagined... It might Call be it a fantasy, a, vis- a, a visibility thing, because you're over but a river, the maybe. Pipeline but pipeline I have tonight is it's black. Well, as <laughs> as I'm giving out the proverbial pipeline, as you know, it, it fits the mental image of a pipeline in certain circumstances. Uh, apparently, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen a pipe. You know, is there really a pipeline? That's the other question. <laughs> like, <laughs> are pipelines even real? Yeah. Are they even real? You know, I mean, actually, none of this is real. I, you know, I, I've heard that that this is all. It's too early for nihilism. It's certainly- <laughs> I love talking about it, but it's not 10 o'clock yet. We'll this, get into that later. This is true. But, you know, you just never know. I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical, I have to say. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think a lot of this re- does relate to leadership. And uh, we have lots of subjects coming up on the program tonight. And I'm uh, and so. We're going to start out with leadership, and I am honored to have, uh, after we go to break, we're going to be joined by Steve Reckshafner. He's a professional coach. He has lots of C-suite and senior leadership role experience. He's led teams in companies like Electronic Arts, Swatch, Microsoft, Jawbone, Nexon, Propaganda Films, and one of my favorites, which I never made this team, the U.S. Ski Team. Um, and so we're going to be talking to him about leadership and uh, and some of his coaching and how you can make your life just that much better. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. It's always my honor and pleasure to be here with you, and thank you for being with me. If you have any questions at all, give me a call. The number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. I'm very happy to have in the studio with me Steve Reckschaffner. He has a lot of C-suite experience, senior leadership experience as well, and now he is a professional coach. He's worked at, he's led companies like Electronic Arts, Swatch, and Microsoft, Jawbone, Nexon, Propaganda Films, and the U.S. Ski Team to the highest of heights, (laughs) and he's the sole reason, I'm certain, why they've even succeeded in the first place. Thank you for coming into the studio, Steve. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here because, you know, Given your experience, quite frankly, number one, uh, number two, we're Facebook friends, and uh, you, I, you shared a time in your life when, when things weren't uh, going swimmingly, going so swimmingly, they weren't so perfect. And you also offered at that time, you reached out to anybody who might have been suffering with anxiety because you talked about a time when you actually uh, had a panic attack. It, you ended up in the emergency department, um, and you, but you, but you've obviously got through that. Uh, it made you better and stronger. And I love that you shared your story so much. So the fact that you have such great experience and that you've also not, not everything has gone perfectly in your life uh, leads me to think, yes, you are a coach that I could go to. Because <laughs> I don't like those ones who are so perfect. Everything's gone swimmingly. They're so amazing. You know, and that's the truth. You know, I know you have great experience, so you're not making st- stuff up. And also, uh, you've been through tough times. So what led you to go from all those great companies uh, to um, becoming a professional coach? I think the simplest answer is I'm a searcher. And I've never, I can't say I've ever felt like I've completely fit in 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 any job or any role or any company. 
And uh, the time you're referring to that I did bring up uh, on, on, on the day that uh, people share their stories about mental health was uh, that was going back a few years to when I was seemingly on top of the world from the outside looking in. I thought so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I was part of building out the uh, Electronic Arts Canada business. We had grown from 100 people to 2,500 people. Um, I was personally leading about 250. I had been part of making a couple of really amazing hit games. And I, you know, and, and, and you know, f- making more money than I ever imagined I would and all those things. And yet I wasn't feeling particularly fulfilled in life. I had, you know, uh, an amazing partner and kids and, but just things weren't clicking right. And I mean, now I better understand how to put language to what I was going through. But what ended up happening was I, I, as you mentioned, uh, experienced, you know, my first ever anxiety or, or panic attack and, you know, had no idea. Like it just hit me, hit me out of, you know, out of the blue. Now, I was also smoking a lot of cannabis at the time, which probably helped to bring it on. You think? <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, I, I didn't know that part. <laughs> I think that. Uh, but again, I was. As it, but I'm glad you said that, actually, because a lot of people feel that cannabis is benign, that cannabis cannot bring any negative consequences. I think there's a mentality around that. I'm going to be talking a little bit about addiction later on uh, in the program. And um, I don't know for me that it brought it forward, but I do know I was self-medicating. And I was exactly. using I was using it as a way to not deal with the fact that things weren't quite right in my life. And simplest way I could boil it down in hindsight with with a lot of clarity is um, I was not anywhere near aligned with my own most important values, and I had adopted values that I thought you know were were what I should have. And was that getting satisfied from the outside? Uh- Versus the inside? Well, it was attaching a lot of my self-worth to business success. Right. And it was interesting because within business, uh, I think the best of my behaviors were that I had a very coach-like approach to how we did things. And most of the things I've done in my life have been things that have never been done before. So it involves a lot of dreaming and inspiring and 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 inspiring others and enrolling people in 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 a collective vision and that stuff always came really easy um and it was more when i was supposed to be the person to tell or at least i thought mm-hmm. i was supposed to tell people exactly what they were supposed to do that i always felt kind of uncomfortable in my you know my skin as a leader cuz it just it didn't feel right mhm but Culturally, a lot of businesses, and I think a lot of businesses shifting, which is great, which is, you know, I feel like my, my, my timing is very fortuitous to be doing what I'm doing. But, you know, some of the companies I worked in, and, and Microsoft, for example, at that time, it was a lot about, you know, who's the smartest person in the room? Right. Not, you know, words like vulnerability would have been, you know, just, just laughed at. Right. So uh, so now, uh, so tell me about the coaching, which I mean, I, I really think that you have the resume for it. Um, you know, the good, the bad, the self-discovery, or not the bad, but the ups, the downs, shall we say, the self-discovery, you know, the experience, what you learned, what worked, what didn't work, and a lot worked for you, um, quite frankly. But so 
say somebody like me, okay, I'm trying to get some free advice here, <laughs> were to um, require some coaching. And I definitely need it. Like, you wouldn't believe. I'm probably a little afraid of it. Um, so how, how does it work? How does professional coaching work? Well, to start with, it's, it's, it's not about giving advice. So that's, that was a mistake I made coming into it even because I had been doing a lot of mentoring and actual – actually, you know, I still do advise a couple of businesses. Um, coaching starts – at least the school of coaching that I've been studying around for the past year. Um, it starts with, first of all, the client and the coach. They create something together. It's not about coach throwing things and the client. Homework. Well, there can be homework, mm-hmm. but it's really about creating a, a relationship together. And mm-hmm. it starts with if I were coming as your coach, you know, I first of all start by assuming that you are completely resourceful, totally capable, and whole as a human being. And I can fake it like nobody's business. <laughs> but that's the interesting part because. Yeah, exactly. I can sometimes have insights or see you in a way that you don't see yourself. Right. And and at my best as a coach is really about helping create clarity for you around what's most important for you. First of all, around your values, um, helping to better understand what is what does your best self look like? What is the best version of you? You know, what is that? How is that? And and working with you to have a much easier time gaining access to that. And then it comes with, you know, there is exploration and and there is looking within yourself, but it's really at its best. It's it's me as a coach asking you powerful questions to cause you to look at things in a different way. And, and some people, some people are trying to create, like some of my clients are, 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 you know, entrepreneurs and they're trying to do big, big things. And some of it is really about, helping them to show up as their best self as a leader on a on the most consistent basis and other people are trying to fight through challenges right is it hard for us to look at ourselves and you know truly deeply genuinely look at ourselves and be honest because you know it's hard for people to face their weaknesses or 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 things that haven't been working or why things haven't been working or we establish patterns in life as well and so can coaching help around that tremendously um a lot of it is just about creating self-awareness around a lot of us have these voices within our head, these things that, that are really self-limiters, um, often called saboteurs. And those voices, even though they're our own, don't necessarily represent what's in our best interest. In most cases, it's really it's trying to keep you safe. It's trying to protect you. And along with that usually means not taking risks, mm-hmm. not stepping out and changing the status quo. And and where it might seem like it's, you know, sometimes they are negative. They're telling you, oh, well, you know, you'll never finish anything or... This is too much for you. Yeah, you can't be that. Whatever it is. But mm-hmm. in most cases, those are... Those are just trying to protect us and keep us small and, and, and not put ourselves out there to do, to do big things. And as you start to develop self-awareness around, you know, in, 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 in my coaching practice, we actually are usually able to articulate and name those for the clients. And they become self-aware of it and they realize, okay, that's, it's no different than when you're meditating and a thought pops up. It's just like, oh, you see it for what it is. Right. And you kind of move on from there. And, and that gets in our way. And, you know, in our society, we measure a lot by, by our annual income, 
let's let's face it. And so that can put a lot of pressure on people. They, they think I'm not that good. I'm not making enough money. I should be making more. I'm not measuring up. And so can you help people to realize that that's not necessarily peace of mind, how much oh, you far have f- in the bank? Far from it. I mean, it's it's this is something I actually learned in making video games. You know, there's a lot of different ways to create what what in a game you call a success state. And if you're measuring it by being the best person at playing that game, well, one person's going to be great and, you know, five million are not. Right. So you create ways for people to feel successful within the experience. Now, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in life or in coaching, um, I mean, it's strange. I, I, I have a lot of clients who are incredibly successful financially and business-wise mm-hmm. and incredibly unfulfilled. Right, And so a lot of the work that we do together is around fulfillment, finding out where it is, discovering where their true values are, and make sure they're really honoring those. Because if you're unhappy, look at your values. You're generally living in conflict with them. Absolutely. Now, I know you have an office, but you also do – fortunately, we have a digital age today, and you do – uh, Skype consults. So what is the best way for uh, people to get in touch with you and what would you suggest they start with? Easiest way is just go to my website, uh, northshorecoaching.org. I offer a free introductory coaching conversation, explain how it works, give a small sample of it and see if there's a connection between us as coach and client. Fantastic. And then take it from there. Thank you, Steve Rechshafner, so much. I am Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're going to stay on our our little theme of uh, some of the voices in our head and and anxiety. And anxiety can be good for you. It, It can often drive us to be more successful or it can drive us to take care of things faster and perhaps not um, procrastinate. But it also can wreak havoc on our lives as well. And I'm really honored to have Colleen Christie, Global News anchor here in the studio with me to talk about how she has embraced anxiety throughout her life and very successful career. Good evening, Colleen. Good evening. Such Uh, a pleasure to be here. Oh, thanks for coming in. And thanks so much for sharing the story. Anxiety is the number one mental health condition in Canada. Many people suffer. It is also the most hidden mental health condition. You'd never guess how many people suffer with anxiety and it's on a continuum and it can be mild and it may be beneficial, but it also can wreak havoc on one's life. So many people might be very surprised to learn that you, a global news anchor, has suffered with anxiety and has learned to be Make anxiety your friend. Exactly. It's funny. I just saw a tweet from somebody who says, oh, I worked with you back at your Czech TV days and you hit it really well. And it's like, well, that's just it. That's the thing about anxiety. That's the thing about anxiety. <laughs> you get really good at faking it. Right. Uh, and coping and all of those things. So, no, I mean, and, and I look back to like even to my childhood and I, I recognize now that I was dealing with anxiety. And of course, like you just said, kids are diagnosed with anxiety now all the time. Mm-hmm. It's this default now. Right. But there's still a stigma around it, which is, I think, part of the reason we hide it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Because anxiety equals fear. Who wants to be seen as frightened, fearful? Nobody. Weak. 
Exactly, because it's associated with weakness. And, and it's not. It's not. Not it's at not. all. And you know what? I'm, I'm really starting to become convinced after doing a lot of research about this that you're kind of either hardwired for it or, or you can develop it through environmental factors, but it's nobody's fault. But I think it was probably your anxiety that caused you to do a lot of research around it. Absolutely. <laughs> which well, I love. Because, you know, I'm, I, as an anxious person, I'm also a perfectionist, which is all about control. And so, of course, I, I need to learn everything to the nth degree. And I need to, everything has to be just so. So, yeah, that's, that's who I am. That's who you're talking to. Any lint on my shirt right now? We Can love you, you just the lint? same. I have dog hairs all over. Who cares? <laughs> I am one. <laughs> I am, you know, I'm, I'm not a uh, particularly anxious person. Uh, I know, just, I can tell that. <laughs> that's just the way I am. But I will say it drives anxious people crazy. People want me to respond at a much higher level than I do. They yeah. want that good. Trust me, it drives calm people crazy that I'm, I'm an anxious person. Exactly. It, it works both ways. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and it's, it's not fun. No, but you had to go on the air. Now, tell me about that. What was it like to uh, be a national anchor, which is what you well, do I did. Today? I did global global national today. I was uh, filling in for Robin Gill, and um, I found myself because it's not my regular show, and because I'm not familiar with the format, and I'm working with new people, and it's a national show. It's not you know just just for BC, and. My heart rate goes up, and you sweat a little bit more, and your blood pressure's up, and you're like, <sighs> and the, and I have to tell myself in these situations, I talk myself off the ledge. It's like this is fun, this is a good time. You love doing this. This is a rush, and you're a lucky person. <laughs> you're very <laughs> lucky. You worked hard to get here. Enjoy right. this. And then I remember, exactly. right? This is a rush. I love it. I love it. And so I've gotten to the point where I actually seek out situations that make me a little bit anxious, like I'm, I'm starting to do some public speaking. And boy, that's scary. You get up in front of a, an audience, a live audience, and you got no teleprompter, so you better know your stuff. Now that's nerve wracking. But when you're finished, I, I, in my speech, I, I equate it to being on a ride at the fair. Change how you frame it. Everyone loves to go out. Well, a lot of us love to go on rides at the fair. And isn't it wonderful when the ride is over and your feet are back on solid ground and the world has stopped spinning and you're not throwing up anymore and you survived it. It's awesome. <laughs> right. I guess so. You know, I don't like rides. <laughs> I don't like those kind me. of rides. All right. Uh, <laughs> don't like rides at the fair. No, I like my feet planted on the ground. I don't mind flying. Um, but I wonder um, what were some of the negative things that um, how has how has anxiety um, hit you in the back or mm. how has it caused problems in in your life? Has it affected um, activities of daily living well, your sleep, for example? Well, well yes. Um, panic attacks. First of mm -hmm. all, uh, tell me what it felt like to have a panic attack. Uh, I had my first panic attack in my 20s and I thought that I was going to go insane or die. Did you know what it was? No. Or did you just think you were dying? No, I did not know what it was at the time. I thought something had gone wrong with my brain and I, I, my brain was going to explode. I just didn't know. But it is the most terrifying experience ever. Was and, your heart pounding? Oh, racing? your heart jumps out of your chest and you're, you get tunnel vision. 
And I remember I was in bed and I I got out of bed. I tried to get out of bed and I just slunk to the floor and held on to the floor, just wanting the world to stop. Mm-hmm. And it lasted, it felt like it lasted forever, but it, it probably only lasted a few minutes and I got my breathing under control somehow and everything calmed down. And I had a few more after that and I spoke to somebody about it. It wasn't a counselor. It was a it was a friend who also had panic attacks. And I started to get sort of get it into my head that I, it, it's okay. It's it's not that unusual. You'll you'll survive. Well, then I started getting panic attacks. Every time I had anxiety around driving. So that was whenever mm-hmm. I was on a freeway, and mm-hmm. I was going fast. Can you imagine? So you're driving down a freeway going fast, and you start your heart starts to shake, to, to uh, um, rush, and you're you're thinking, what am I going to do? Am I do I have to pull over? Do I have to pull over? Is this? Am I going to be able to survive this? It's horrible. I I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm just imagining something. I can't imagine that. I would actually, oh. but I I remember there was a time when um it was it was a situational experience. I had one of my closest friends was hit by an eighteen wheeler uh, and she she died. And so for a couple of years after that, if there was an 18-wheeler, I would just pull off the highway and let the 18-wheeler pass me. You know, I no was kidding. no worse for wear. And I, but I didn't panic or anything. I was just like, that's just the way it was. And then one day I was with one of my friends who was extremely anxious, and I started to get off the highway. And she just completely lost it, screaming at me, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I don't like 18-wheelers behind me. Well, think you know, about it. Tell. Think about, Maureen, what do I do right. for a living? Yeah. I I read news stories about people dying in car accidents almost every day. Do you think that has anything to do Absolutely. with the anxiety? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You get patterns that are reinforced in your brain. Right. And so I just I'm hyper aware of how dangerous it is to drive. How really how dangerous it is. Right. It's not dangerous to fly. It's really dangerous. Especially to drive. with the texting and the sexting that Absolutely. goes on in the cars that I see all the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it can be extremely dangerous. But there to drive. are things we can do. To calm ourselves down. There are techniques. It's not easy. There are no quick fixes for this. Do you think somebody can get over being anxious? I think you can cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can only speak for myself. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a medical professional. I've done a lot of reading about it. Did you seek medical help around I it? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and how were you treated? Did the medical professionals treat you okay? Did they, uh, I mean, you're you're a well-known person, and so maybe you would get extra special treatment. I hate to say, you know, that. But sometimes I've heard some of my patients have told me that medical professionals have not treated them exactly respectfully when anxiety is the issue. Well, I went to a life coach. Okay. And I, I, it was part of a, a whole bunch of things I wanted to address. Mm-hmm. And so he was totally open to it, and, and yeah, right. it was, it was yeah. great. And, and a lot of it for me is just about um, self-acceptance. And and not being a perfectionist. Just and can you imagine somebody like Colleen Christie has to self-accept? Um, you know, but that perfectionism is extremely difficult. You yeah. know, I can only imagine. I'm not a perfectionist. I have a high standard. I'm methodical or and, and I'm more chronological than even methodical. Uh, but I'm so I have a very high standard. I have to as a nurse. But perfectionist, no. This all comes, though, and I talk mm-hmm. about this in my speech from growing up too fast. Mm -hmm. I was raised by a mother who was an abused child. Mm -hmm. And her way of protecting my brother and I was to make sure that we were self-sufficient and independent and and strong. 
she thought that was, you're not going to be, no one's going to be able to take advantage of you. You'll right. be protected if you can handle life. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted us to be able to do that as early as possible. Well, I think I grew up a little too fast. Oh, okay. And it wasn't her fault. I don't, I have no mother issues about that. I don't right, but she had a fear for you. But she had a fear see for what me. what fear does. And so pass that along. And so, yeah, it's, um, it, it's been, like I say, it's been a, a lifelong struggle. And, uh, but now I've, ch- I've changed how I think about it. And it's, I can't imagine life without anxiety. A friend of mine said, why don't you get out of the news business and get a job where you don't have to stress about anything. You don't have to worry about making sure your hair and makeup is done and that you've got everything, you know, you, you know how to pronounce all these international names and they, just take the stress off. And I thought, I'd be bored. I actually like. I was just thinking radio because your hair can be a mess. Like I'm a totally <laughs> messy haired person. You have look been fabulous my entire right now. Life. I'm telling you right no. now. <laughs> I wanted to get back to your mother and the fear around she was an abused child. And I'm reading this fantastic book, and I'm going to be having the author on. Typically, I don't advise a book, but see, I'm not a perfectionist, so I can when I haven't finished it. So I'm only halfway through. But it's called. And, and what reminded me of how your mother was in raising you. Uh, with all due respect for her, what's bred in the bone remains in the flesh. I think back to that in this book called Baffled by Love, Stories of the Lasting Impact of Childhood Trauma Inflicted by Loved Ones. Mm. And and this does talk about the history. And, you know, your mother had, had a traumatic upbringing. And, you know, what's bred in the bone remains in the flesh. And that carries on to the next generation. You bet. And, you know, and so it can be difficult. But what would be your top three strategies to people um, uh, in dealing with anxiety? First of all, talk to somebody who uh, is open to it, whether that's a friend or a professional or a family member, somebody that you trust so that you can get it off your back because it, you feel alone in it mm-hmm. and, and there's no need to do that. Uh, second of all, if you can find a professional who can give you some coping strategies, mm-hmm. uh, really good way to go. And I'm a huge proponent of exercise. Right. It, it raises the endorphins. It mm-hmm. calms you down. Mm-hmm. It puts things in perspective. I used to say I lift weights for my body and I run for my brain. Right. Because yeah. aerobic exercise just makes you feel good. You feel amazing. Absolutely. I know. I know. I, I'm a swimmer, as you know. And um, but I lately I've joined. I'm like a. I'm now like an MET. You know, I do MET. I've done it twice. Muscle endurance training. <laughs> But, you know, I go to a class once and that's it. I've been doing that for years. Um, but, you know, you feel amazing yeah. after, uh, yeah. you know, so that's sort of my routine now is like the morning, early morning swim, walk the dog, uh, you know, breakfast, get everything set for the day and then muscle endurance training. And then I start my work. And then you start and your then, work. And if yeah. you can fit in 10, even 15 minutes of meditation. Absolutely. Even it's the icing on the cake. Although meditation should just be it should be as commonplace as having your morning cup of coffee uh, we really need to get into that absolutely habit. i i'm a mindfulness meditator for a, i'm a long-term one i've done that since um i was a child basically and that's why yeah. you're so calm i enjoy I, I enjoy that well i'm not always calm as my brother reminded me you're not calm at an airport when you don't know which in which terminal you're going to so yes but you know i talk myself down on that situation yeah i'll just get another ticket somewhere else but uh usually i have to be somewhere so it's i don't like to put other people out people pleasing is my problem more so calling christy thank you so much for joining me in the studio tonight and for sharing your phenomenal story and uh you're you're a beautiful and successful and incredible woman and i'm proud to call you my friend and i am maureen mcgrath and you are listening to the sunday night health show 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Well, summer is upon us in this country. It's sunscreen time and bathing suit time. That's a scary time. I was in Chicago recently visiting my brother and his family. It was 35 degrees Celsius. Of course, they had no sunscreen anywhere. He refused to wear it, but so I bought enough for his kids for the summer. <laughs> I'm not controlling, or so I say. Uh, he didn't want to wear it because of the toxins in it, he said, or so he said. Um, you know, if you have ever seen me, you know that I'm, uh, you know, fairly pale-skinned uh, and burn quite easily. Uh, now there's also a sunscreen pill, and so I wanted to talk to uh, to... Uh, my guest, Dr. Sunil Kalia, he is at the, of the Department of Dermatology and Skin Science at the University of British Columbia and Photo Medicine Institute, Vancouver Coastal Health. And I wanted to dispel some of these myths in part because skin cancer is on the rise. And that is a new, as the result of new opinion research released by the CDA, who has sounded the warning bells about complacency towards Canada's most common cancer, Dr. Uh, Sunil Kalia is on the line. Good evening, doctor. Good evening, Maureen. How are you doing today? Good. Fine, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Okay, so first let's um, deal with my brother's issues. <laughs> no. um, men typically don't wear sunscreen like women do. Is that correct? Can, are we, am I safe yeah, in assuming that? That's, that's definitely true. Um, that's one of the things that we have found in our studies is that men do not apply and enough sunscreen and also just generally speaking uh, going over the sun protection behaviors men do not do as well and that's why we do see higher rates of melanoma and mortality rates from melanoma uh, in men compared to women. Now because you've been on the program before you taught me that 50 uh, SPF 50 is the one to get which is what I purchased about 10 bottles of it so it would last through the summer <laughs> with him and his children and um, but he is afraid of the toxins. <laughs> Do you think he has issues? Definitely does. Um, what what do you say about toxins in sunscreen? Are there toxins? Is it safe? Yeah, I think it's like important just to go over the, before going just to sunscreen the whole package, right? So mm-hmm. we're talking about avoiding sun uh, exposure, ultraviolet radiation exposure, because that's what causes skin cancer. We talk about avoiding sun exposure overall, and that's what really is encouraged. That is the most effective way of not getting those ultraviolet rays that cause skin cancer and not to use tanning beds. And then to seek shade if you are going to go out in the sun, wearing protective clothing that includes a hat, especially a broad-rimmed hat that covers the ears as well. Right. And using long sleeve shirts and pants and then sunglasses. And then, and then, and then it comes down to, okay, if you're still getting at that sun, that you should be avoiding, then you, you tend to use the sunscreen. And sunscreen is supposed to, be expo- uh, supposed to be applied for those exposed sites. So therefore, if you think about it, if you're doing it in those right ways, the amount of sunscreen that you should be applying is not too much because you should be doing those other things first, right? The yes. sunscreen should be used on top of all those things. Okay. So then, and then it comes down to, yeah, are, those, are there really toxins in there, in the sunscreen? Then, you know, we always have this coming out every year. There's People are afraid that they hear about, um, okay, there's, these vitamin A agents and sunscreens that get a bad uh, press out there. But we know that vitamin A agents, A, we ingest vitamin A agents, such as like carrots have vitamin A derivatives. And also it's actually found to be photoprotective as well. So it actually protects us from the sunlight. So I think the problem is sometimes these come from studies that are not properly done or from myths as well, but um, they're not true. 
Okay. You know, interesting that you, um, what you've just described, because I ha- now, you know, full, full guilt here, full shame, full embarrassment. We went, I don't know if you've been to Chicago, but they have these phenomenal architectural boat tours and they have different types of boats. And he was also extremely obsessive about choosing the right boat because he wanted the one where we could go inside because he'd had enough sun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so his behaviors may have actually been better than mine. Uh, so yeah, I was yeah, just like, I think that's important. I think that's, yeah. that's very important. Like doing those things is is really important. That's why I think the whole package of protecting yourself from the sun rays. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, and, and I was just like, just get the, so I was, you know, dare I say, whatever in denial, misinformed, just like slather on all of this 50 <laughs> and, you know, just be, we're going to be out on the deck. We are going to be at the bow of that ship, which we were. <laughs> and that's, that's interesting. That's the kind of like what we're like, we don't want people to get the misconception. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now if you put all this sunscreen out, get as much sun rays as possible. And and that's why sometimes there's, there's these studies showing, okay, maybe sunscreen is linked to skin cancer. That's probably there is a correlation of people like that apply more sunscreen, get more sun rays. And so this, because you put on sunscreen does not mean you get more sun rays. Right. I get it now. So I'm going to have to uh, actually eat my hat, <laughs> my wide brimmed hat when I, because I told him I was going to talk to you about this tonight, <laughs> which is uh, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So that's good. But I just thought we're protected. This is good. Um, I, I happen to love the sun. I'm a bit of a, a sun worshiper, um, but also I, I can't, you know, it can find me as well. I can put on the brim, the wide brimmed hat, you know, cover up my bikini, you know, <laughs> um, you know, wear long sleeves, everything. And the sun will still find me no matter what, uh, no matter how hard I try and I will I definitely burn so I I am careful of it but I do like to embrace life I get I guess and uh, and get out there uh, be at the bow of the ship whenever I possibly can Dr. Sunil Kalia, thank you so much for the great tips. Dr. Sunil Kalia is from the Department of Dermatology and Skin Science at the University of British Columbia and Photomedicine Institute, Vancouver Coastal Health. I'm Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.